This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. I like him. You put on the tape and you watch him, and, and he's going around and he's making plays. And I started thinking about, um, you know, some, some players that, you know, I've either been involved with on other teams that we've drafted from the University of Miami. And then, so uh, he's got everything that you're looking for. He's going to have a great opportunity to, uh, you know, compete. And, you know, now they, now they got to go out and they got to earn it. That's Doug Maroney. He was talking about Shaq Quarterman right there. Fourth-round pick. Really cool story out of Oak Leaf High School. Was a Miami Hurricane for four years. And the guy just knows how to tackle. He knows where the football is. I think he's ninth all-time in Miami history in tackles. Think about the linebackers that have gone through there. Yeah. He uh, had over 400 tackles uh, in high school at Oak Leaf. First player from Oak Leaf High School to make it to the NFL. I caught up with him. And uh, we'll have part of that conversation, just a few minutes of it, uh, coming up here in this segment in a little bit. But you can tell when some players get coaches excited. That was about as excitable as Doug Marone will be. That because you know why? Because Shaq Quarterman's like a foot. He's a football player. Yeah. You know, he is that. I mean, he, if you want to ever say that, it sounds cliche sometimes. Probably if coaches say it, but he is that. Now, does he have the athleticism that you need to maybe excel, be a Pro Bowl guy? questionable yeah he has the instincts to make up for it though and the smarts and everything else he's just a good football player that and you need some of those guys special teams wise and in your locker room keep in mind too if this is a a complete rebrand a complete three four defense getting implemented that's an inside linebacker right now brent that can make some noise right away right because it's like you said maybe he's not the most athletic guy maybe he's not the most you know speed gifted kind of guy but guess what inside linebacker in a three four defense you don't have to be like that. All you have to be is fundamentally sound. All you have to be is a guy that can come downhill, you know, lay the wood, if you will. And I think Shaq Corman can do that in spades. All right. Uh, you want the list of undrafted free agents? Uh, again, I know a lot of folks love this list. Yeah. I think this list is cool. I don't get as wrapped up in this list, especially once they just drafted 12 other guys. Keep in mind, one or two might make the team. Yeah. Uh, maybe a couple on the practice squad. But – well, and before we get into that, shout out to my boy Christian Wells from my old Scandinavia High School. Where'd he end up? Ended up in Baltimore. Oh, really? Yeah, some tough class guy will take care of him for me. You yeah. know, it's real. That's interesting. That's a good call. I think about that a lot. Those guys that end up, you know, used to be in New England, right, with Brady, get to yeah. play with Brady in that sense, or now Baltimore, the Kansas Cities, the Tampas right now, end up in these really good spots. Uh, yeah. You know, you talk situational. Yeah. Now, what? it's also harder for those guys to make the team. Of course. Because those rosters are better. So yeah. if well, I'm an undrafted guy, yeah. I'd like the Jacksonville exactly. situation better. Especially because Baltimore actually, uh, they draft the two linebackers in this draft too, you know. So, I mean, you know, obviously the, the odds are set against them a little bit, but we'll see. Uh, as a special teams guy, you can always make a team, so. Uh, now, this Barco kid, the cornerback out of San Diego State, yep. he got, like, the richest guarantee, I think, in the history of undrafted free agents. Really? Uh, was, was the word going around. Okay. People love this guy. Um, again, they, people get so over the moon about some of these players, and then I say, why didn't he get drafted? <laughs> yeah. I mean, but yeah. whatever. We'll see what happens. Uh, Doug Costin, I think it is, from Miami, Ohio, defensive tackle. Nathan Cottrell, running back out of Georgia Tech. Uh, Ellison, a tight end out of North Dakota State. Nate Evans, linebacker out of UCF. Uh, Tavian Feaster. Steven brought him up earlier, running back out of South Carolina. Josh Hammond, you know that name, from Florida, the wide receiver position. Amari Henderson, a corner out of Wake Forest. Uh, Ross Matishik, uh, long snapper, Baylor. I'm pretty safe to, to know that probably not everybody knows that name. He is a long snapper out of Baylor, after all. Steven Nielsen. 
offensive line, Eastern Michigan. Austin Pleasance, offensive line out of Ohio. J.R. Reed, you know that name, out of Georgia. That's a good one right there. A lot of people thought he'd get drafted. And so that is one that sticks out to me at the safety position. And again, has some room to grow in that safety position for the Jaguars. James Robinson, running back Illinois State. Again, Stephen brought up all those running backs, and there's a few of them that we just mentioned. Marvell Ross, wide receiver on a Notre Dame college, not Notre Dame. Uh, Connor <laughs> Slumka, fullback. There you go, Army. Like Look that. out. Oh, you, hey, you don't have to about that fullback, Brent. Uh, Trevor uh, Wallace-Sims, offensive line, uh, Missouri. Uh, Kobe Williams, Arizona State, a cornerback. And Brandon Wright, they got an extra leg in camp from Georgia State, a kicker. Did any fullbacks get drafted? I don't think so. Uh, overall? Yeah, like in the entire like draft? In the draft? That's a good question. I, I want to say maybe one did late, okay, okay. I, but I can't remember exactly. Uh, well, uh, Jaguars yeah. did make some uh, moves today. They cut kicker John Brown, uh, cut Austin Calitro. Danielle Green, uh, offensive lineman. Sharon Peak, uh, the wide receiver. And Jason Stanley, wide receiver, cornerback. Uh, dual threat guy. <laughs> Are you a little surprised about Kalitro or not? Yeah, they kind of brought him back early to add root, add to the depth, but I think maybe the quarterman move yeah. and they, they must like, you know, they also brought McCray back, I think, after that. Mm-hmm. So he can play some of those spots. Sure. So I guess not surprised. I mean, those are the kind of moves you're going to see at the back end of the roster. Jags have 90 players on their roster. Virtual training did start today. Um, and, again, if you get excited about some of those guys if you want. I think the most the, – the thing to keep an eye on is really the running back room. And I think J.R. Reed, the, the safety spot is interesting because, again, there's room for improvement at that safety spot. I can tell you, The Jags don't love their safety's position, mm-hmm. but you can't fix everything. And I do think they feel like they can go play ball and be okay – at that spot. They did it all last year, and I, I know the run game was bad overall, uh, but with more reps in another year, and, and you said it earlier, Ronnie Harrison, it's a good segment for maybe later in the week, is guys that have the most to prove. Mm-hmm. And see, I do like, that's the other part of my Sunshine and Rainbows. I like that when guys have an edge to them. You know, when you, there's no complacency on this roster right now. I mm-hmm. think there certainly was complacency in 2018 and maybe some even in 2019. No such thing. There's urgency on this roster because you've got at least four guys on offense. And probably if I include a Ronnie Harrison or some others on def- Taven Bryan on defense, you better get your butt in gear or you're out of here. And it's not necessarily, oh, geez, we'll miss Jackson. No, it's paychecks. I mean, yeah. it's dollars. It's opportunity. Like Gardner Minshew has an opportunity of a lifetime right here. As a six-round pick, very few get. Now, he earned it, mm-hmm. but he's also got one year to deliver on it. It's not like he's going to get a lot of rope mm-hmm. after this. So, And then there are the Fournettes and the Cam Robinson. Those guys are in for big dollars. If they have big years. So I like when a team has that. Now, to some degree, every team has probably one or two of those guys. I think the Jags have more than that. I think they have at least a half a dozen guys that are going to play significantly that are in that boat. Yeah, I mean, and the biggest mistake that you can make as an NFL player, or one of the biggest, Brent, is when you do get complacent, when you feel comfortable. Because when you feel comfortable, then maybe you don't put the the same amount of work in as you were when you were hungry, when you were trying to make a team, or when you're trying to secure your spot down right now. I can make an argument... For DJ Chark, I can make an argument for Brandon Linder. I can make an argument for Juwan Taylor and maybe Andrew Norwell. But besides that, guys got to play well to keep their spots. Yeah, all right? yeah. Guys got to play well or they get benched. And I'm talking even like 
Leonard. You know, like Leonard's a guy, obviously, who, going forward now, he is the he is the, the featured back, in my opinion. Now I get that they try to trade it. Uh, they try to trade him, and that makes kind of a an interesting dynamic going into the season. You have to wonder what his thoughts about the the front office are, but that doesn't matter, man, because. Him, like a lot of people on this team, where if you don't play well, if you don't perform well, if you bring a bad attitude or bad vibes to that locker room, you will, you will get benched and, and, and you will sit and somebody else will take your spot. So I like that, Brett. I like a lot of guys that are not feeling complacent. I like, I like a lot of guys that are feeling a lot of pressure right now because pressure can do one of two things. It can either burst pipes and then you get benched and we'll see you later, or it can make diamonds and you can turn into the player that you were meant to be. So with that being said, I like the situation of guys who pressure this year. I like it. Burst pipes make diamonds, by the way. That could be on the list. Like we should do a show in June or something okay. of I want the biggest cliches coming from football coaches. Oh, man. That would be on it. I mean, I can go forever, man. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> got to start writing them down. Okay, I'll start writing we'll them down. It, I, bring I, it out I like in like that. June or something. I like that. <laughs> I like it. Um, AFC South. Yeah. Who is the team to beat in the AFC South? I understand what happened last year. The Titans made a run. Well, I can also tell you, you know, in 17, Jags made a run, and look what happened in 18. So, okay. nothing's guaranteed is my point. Here's Brent Martin again, not liking the Tennessee Titans with oh, the bring to the table. Titans. What else is new? No, I'm just, I mean, that's reality. I, I don't is. think they're – like, you can chalk up KC for being a contender. I understand that. Of course. But do you feel like there could be a drop-off? Did they get the most they're ever going to get out of Tannehill and Henry last year? Do you like their team? Are they the team to beat? Is Phillip Rivers additional – uh, in Indianapolis, make them the team to beat. Yeah. Is Houston, because they probably do have the best quarterback in the division, are they the team to beat, even though they have made some confounding moves? Who is the team to beat in the AFC South? So, if you want to analyze the draft real quick and ask... Like, and I don't have a team... bet on this with the Jacks. <laughs> <laughs> you want to see you know, how each team did in the NFL draft. I mean, I think the Colts upgraded themselves, obviously. Michael Pittman Jr. is a guy we both liked out of USC. Big body, 6'4", 220. A nice, you know, a nice piece around with Philip Rivers, Jonathan Taylor running back. Now, one could argue, well, you guys got Marlon Mack, you got Naeem Hines, did you really need Jonathan Taylor? But with that offensive line, Brent, I feel like anybody you put back there is going to be successful. That's oh, a great why situation. Not, why Taylor. not put? Yeah, why not put Jonathan Taylor, one of the best running backs in America last year in college? Why not put him, in that, you know, in that backfield and watch what he can do? So I like that standpoint. Um, Jacob Eason, interesting guy that they drafted. You know, maybe a backup, possibly a starter going forward from Washington. I'm not really sold on him, obviously, but it is depth. So overall, the, the Colts did a good job. The Texans, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's the Texans. You know, what, what, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to say? They're, they're the gift that keeps on giving. Like, Ross Blacklock, good pickup from uh, uh, TCU. The Jaguars, we, we kind of knew, kind of liked them a little bit, possibly. He's a great guy. But uh, honestly, man, this draft for the Texans, they only had, what, six picks? Five, six, five, six, five, six. Five, six, uh, Charlie Heck. Tackle out of North Carolina. Yeah. Um, Andy Heck's son. Uh, spent some time playing with Andy Heck in Jacksonville in Kansas City. Great guy. Um, but nothing's going to jump off the paper to you. Yeah. You know, like I, guess I saw Ross somebody, Blacklock, but. somebody compiled all the national grades. Yeah. And I saw Houston was second to last in terms of they did like a GPA thing. Okay. Like where they would add them all together, like A plus, B minus, all that. What would your GPA be? So yeah. like uh, Baltimore was near the top, but they weren't the top. Uh, Minnesota was like at the top. They had like an A plus. Hmm. And Jags, by the way, were like ninth on that list. So they okay. made the top 10. Cool. Well, and they were the best AFC South team on that list. Interesting. But Houston was second to worst. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, so, yeah. so again, <laughs> if you were asking what public opinion feels or, or the analysts feel about Houston's draft, they're like, eh. 
Well, once again, I mean, to me, the biggest question mark is wide receiver. I mean, I get it. You brought, you know, you brought Cooks in. Can he stay healthy? Um, you, you brought, uh, you know, you, you still have Stills, and I get it forward, but can those guys all stay healthy? You, you just don't know. They've got a lot of bodies at wide receiver. Yeah. It's but like, can they stay healthy? A lot of question marks. Do they have the guys? So, I mean, Houston was Houston, okay? And the gift that keeps on giving Bill O'Brien going absolutely ballistic on a phone call with the cameras on him and his son sitting behind him and his son's got zero reaction whatsoever. Look like he's Patrick Bateman out of American Psycho because he's seen his dad do this a million times. So he's not taken back when his dad loses his dang mind on the phone. I loved it, man. It was so good. Oh, the Texans. Isn't, uh, actually, does, is that, uh, and by the way, I should be sensitive to this, because I think uh, Bill O'Brien does have... Um, yeah, he has a special needs son, but this is a different son. Not, was, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, thought, I knew he had... Uh, um, there was, they were talking about that during the draft at some point. Uh, I don't, was he? Did he? I didn't watch that part when yeah, Houston picked. He was, did, he, did he help pick up, make a so pick? For, or? Uh, for, it would have been their second round, I believe. Um, yeah, he, he was in the room with them. He was in the room with them. He had like a sign that said, uh, thank you to all the, the health care workers, uh, yeah, stuff cool, like that. Cool. Okay. So, yeah, so he was there the, uh, the that second That was part night. of the cool part of the draft, right? You get to kind of meet and see these guys. They humanize. Like, yeah. Bill, again, you know, you can kind of bust Bill O'Brien's chops for DeAndre Hopkins oh, and everything I else. I love it. But, and, and kind of how he's handled things. But it does humanize these guys. You know, you sit there and rip them or applaud them or oh, all this stuff all the time. Yeah. And they're just – but they are – they have families. You know, well, they have – and I've always thought about that around Jacksonville, especially. Now, we know him a little bit different, but whether you're talking about uh, Jack Del Rio, Malarkey, uh, Gus Bradley, now the Maroons. I mean, they have kids that go to school around here. They yeah. hear all this stuff, especially if they're old enough. I always thought that was an interesting element of it, you know, and especially in a place like this where it's a small town uh, in feel and it has the Jags are the that They're it. it mm. I mean, the Jags are the. That's what everybody's talking about most of the time. And, well, everybody's losing all the time. So yeah. the angst. Uh, and so I, I just think about it. I thought that uh, the draft this year did a good job of kind of humanizing that element for no, was, all the teams across the league, even if it made what's-his-name a star because of his pad. <laughs> no, for sure, Kingsbury. And listen, <laughs> and if we're being honest here, and like, like I said, like you know, the Bill Bryan with the special needs son, that was a great moment. Right, Bill O'Brien going ballistic with his other son behind him. Not so good for Bill O'Brien. <laughs> yeah. But if this draft did one thing for me, Brent, now like reflecting back on it, looking back on it, and I'm glad that it was at these players' homes. It was on the players' homes, obviously, and the coaches' homes and the GMs' homes. If it did one thing, it reassured the fact that I do not want to be a coach or a front office guy in the NFL. Because once again, I'm in no position to judge right now. If you come over to my place, you're going to see a lot of basic stuff. But we're talking about the most basic of the basic houses that I've ever seen, the most basic living rooms, the most basic furniture, the most basic wall decorations. John Harbaugh had about 10 birdhouses in his office. Made zero sense. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. But my point is, Brent, these guys make a lot of money, right? But guess what? They're never home to experience where that money can go. So they have houses that I'm sure they appointed maybe their loved ones or a designer from the 1980s to come in and absolutely <laughs> ruin their houses. Set aside from Cliff Kingsbury. You know, Cliff K K Kingsbury brought it. Sean McVay, 
Not bad. Diet Cliff Kingsbury, though, okay? It was, a, it was the same house, but not as good. Cliff Kingsbury absolutely brought his A game. But, dude, Cliff Kingsbury, he's the outlier, okay? He's the Tom Brady. Not everyone can be Cliff Kingsbury. I can't be Cliff Kingsbury. So with that being said, I don't want to be a coach, man. And I don't want to be a GM because I want to spend time at home and decorate and kind of have my personality on it. Not one coach had any personality except Zimmer from Minnesota. He had like 25 deer oh, the deer. That's heads right. and yeah. was a bear head and a, and, a, and, a, and a hog head he, in the back. He had visited the taxidermy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but besides that, so basic, so generic. The other thing, the one thing about the NFL, it is now it has become so big. I don't, that's like not in the last year, but so corporate mm-hmm. that it's almost so manufactured. And it's like it's a movie screen, you know, and people are like, you got the Pepsi lined up here, <laughs> the Microsoft lined up here. Yeah, yeah, you got yeah, everything yeah. in the shot, the product placement. It's like, all right, we get it, you know, yeah. but uh, it, it is funny but how that I mean, you, heck, even some... even the commission changed out his M&Ms, yeah. you know, <laughs> made sure they're red, white and blue on day but, two or three. But, you know, like, were you kind of surprised with how basic everything was? Yeah, I, mean, I hear dude, you. Roger Dell's rocking thirty million dollars a year, and you you can't afford you can't afford an eighty screen eighty inch screen. Like it was like thirty two inches. It wasn't even high definition. I know. <laughs> Like, what are you doing? I don't know Roger. if it was refreshing to see people make that. Guy. Like, it would have been bad look probably to see all these, like, Kingsbury kind oh, of places. Oh, that's what I want, bro. Uh, Living the lifestyle, man. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. I actually was interested to see where everything was. Like, one, one, I forget the coach now. It just, uh, it's like, seriously, it was like right off the kitchen in the living room. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, like, man. I was like, man, that's that's a busy time. <laughs> it is. Uh, so it was pretty wild. All right. What we left off on is uh, the, Titans, the Titans. The draft. So yeah. did, how much better? I know what they did in free agency. They they kept yeah. Henry. They kept Tannehill. They got Vic Beasley. Yeah. Outside of that, man, it's the same team. Unless, what did they do in the draft that, that wowed you? Well, you know what? They, they lost Conklin, so they replaced Conklin. They got Isaiah Wilson from yep. Georgia first round. Uh, Christian Fulton. They, get, <clears> listen, they got incredible value, it looks like, Christian on Fulton. Christian Fulton, second round like that. And you know how I feel about yeah, him, Brent. And, and, now, and now I get I get Trevon Diggs went before him. And, yeah, like and, and 20 picks we'll, before hey, him. We'll see. We'll see what happens <laughs> with that one. Let's go ahead and put a bet down who has the better season. I'm down for that. But overall, it's like you said. You, you talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars right now and where you're optimistic, your sunshine and rainbows, because their offense is coming back, right? They didn't really lose anybody. They have a new system now, so one would think that the Jacksonville Jaguars going forward will be more successful, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Well, I can definitely say the same thing about the Tennessee Titans because they lost Taylor Lew- uh, I'm not sorry, they lost Jack Conklin, and yeah, that was a big loss, but they replaced him right away. And besides that, you got the quarterback coming back, and you got the running back coming back. Now, receivers... Yeah, Corey Davis, probably not the guy. Didn't really address that in the draft at all. Obviously, A.J. Brown taking a step forward. But overall, Brent, you got John U. Smith. You, you lost Delaney Walker. I think Delaney Walker's still out there, but he's like 45 years old, so we'll see what happens there. But all, all things considered, the Tennessee Titans really bring back a roster that they had last year. And the way they play the game of football, where you pound the rock, you win in the trenches, you know how I feel about that, Brent. I mean, one would think that they're not really going to lose too much from last year. So I, I think they're still going to be great. I mean, the draft didn't really put them over the top or anything like that. Didn't really do anything except add a tackle. But besides that, man, I think you have to like the Titans going forward if, you, you know, if you're that kind of thing. It, it's interesting, you know. That I don't think anybody ran away and hid from the Jags in the draft 
and free agency. Mm. Listen, Philip Rivers, if Philip Rivers is old Philip, the old Philip Rivers rather than an old Philip Rivers, well, then that could really make all the difference in the world. I mean, they look good around him. They've got a, the best mm. offensive line in football. They have enough parts on defense. They obviously pick up the Forrest Buckner, very nice move. Yeah. So the Colts look like they're prime, but they come with a huge if. They've invested in a guy that did not play well last year. Now, listen, the Chargers had a lot of good parts around Philip Rivers last year. Sure. And maybe better than the Colts have. And they couldn't get it done. Philip Rivers was awful. Lost them football games. So still beat Jacksonville. It's, it's not automatic yeah. that he's going to come in here and light the world on fire for the Indianapolis Colts. But the thing about it is nobody went out and did kind of like what Denver did and say, wow, we're putting all these weapons around. Or what Kingsbury in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, we're getting yeah. DeAndre Hopkins. We're, they, they're scary. Nobody, in my opinion, is scary. In fact, the Jaguars beefed up their their biggest weakness, and that would be the run defense. And that should help against Indy. That should help against Tennessee. Now, will it shut it down? I'm not saying so. But at least it will help well, in that respect. And keep in mind with Houston as well, because they got David Johnson. Now they're, they're going to pound the rock David a little and Duke more. David Johnson, yeah. yeah so yeah. Uh, here's a real one, one final thought. Does anything like get skewed here if I give you the weapons? Tomorrow I'm going to do this a little bit more with, with uh, Minshew. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe even later. I don't think we'll get to it later, but definitely tomorrow. But I would put from a weapon standpoint, Gardner Minshew has Fournette, Chark, Didi, now Chenault, mm-hmm. Eifert, Conley, and Oliver. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yep. I don't think I left anybody out. Uh, well, Rivers. Yeah. You mentioned the guy from Texas that they drafted as well. Yeah, Colin, well, I mean, John, I'm not but, ready to I mean, put him yeah, in that fold. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rivers has Hilton, Pittman, Paris Campbell. They do have the best old line. Yeah. I actually put that as a weapon. It's a weapon, for sure. Uh Tight ends, they get Trey Burton, but we'll see. Is this um, in Doyle? In Doyle. Yeah. Yep. Doyle's pretty good, yeah. man. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's and then they have Mac and Taylor. Yeah. There's so they're number one. not there right. anymore. Yeah. Obviously, they're better than the Jags' offensive weapons. Yeah. Watson has Cooks, Stills, Cobb, Fuller. Mm. Fells is really their only tight end. That, that scares you at all. Mm-hmm. And then David and Duke Johnson. I would say on paper, obviously because of the quarterback especially, no doubt. But again, there's question marks on that offense. I mean, you actually have more than me. I, I like that offensive unit way more than you even like that unit. Correct. And then Tannehill has Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, Adam Humphreys, a trio that can be pretty good yeah. if they live up to it. Henry, they they drafted uh, the Evans kid, mm-hmm. and then they got Jonu Smith and Anthony Frisker at tight I mean, end. Do, so, you, do you give them the nod at offensive line, too, as a weapon? Because their offensive line yeah, was maybe pretty solid last maybe year. I, would. I, yeah. I just don't know if the Jags feel like, at least, their offensive line is so deficient that there's this huge gap between them and the rest of the co- the division. Okay. Now, the Colts are clearly number one. I think there are a gap between them. That's why I utilize them more as a weapon. Okay. Maybe Tennessee, though, you're right. You know. Um, I so I, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's not the Saints. It's not even the 49ers, it feels like. It's not... What they tried to put around Denver's not the Bucks. You know, you're not getting a team like that that's just saying, oof, whoa. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to be a muddy AFC South. Now, whether the Jags are in it or not, I don't know. But it's going to be a muddied up AFC South, I believe, this year. They're going to beat each other up a little bit. Well, and then the way you look at it, too, you know, and we had a guy calling last week from Indianapolis a little bit, and he kind of alluded to what I'm thinking this is going to happen this year in the AFC South. You're, you're going to rely in a, in a pass-happy league. You have the Colts and Marlon Mack, and you know, and, and we'll see what they use with Jonathan Taylor. You have obviously the Titans and Derrick Henry, and now you have David Johnson with the Texans. 
there's going to be a lot of you know pounding the rock in this in this division, you know, and obviously stopping the run is going to be at a premium. So once again, they did address it a little bit. We think that the, the three four defense will be a new wrinkle. It's going to be a new thing going forward. And the goal, I think, is to stop the run first, just because. What else is Houston? I mean, I get it. And you, you love Houston's wide receiver core. You have Deshaun Watson, one of the best young quarterbacks in the game, and I understand that. But keep in mind you brought David Johnson in for a reason, okay? And you traded away one of the best wide receivers, if not the best wide receiver in the NFL, for a reason. So one would think that Houston is going to start pounding the rock a little more, maybe a la, like an Indianapolis Colts team, or even, do I dare say, a Tennessee Titans team. Yeah, so it's a, it's a great point. Do you know, depending on what Jay Gruden wants to do, the Jags might be the most pass-happy team in the division. You're absolutely right. That brings a smile to my face. Yeah. I'm not mad. I'm I mean, okay with that. Like, listen, especially if you're – I'm not saying it's a winning formula. I'm not saying, oh, my gosh, you're scary to beat. Yeah. I just like it because it's kind of different. Yeah. Like, okay. Now, listen, Phillip Rivers still resides in Indy. They're not going to hand the ball off every single time. But with that offensive line, though, they're going to control the clock. They will try. Play action is going to be a big part. Come on. Right? Yeah. I mean, they're going to try to 2017 everybody, the Jags of 2017. Yeah. Yeah. And use that play action. And uh, really, they just became the Midwest version of the Chargers on offense. I mean, they they tried to become that. Sure. And hopefully a better one. Mm -hmm. Uh, But again, it's up to Phillip Rivers. All right. Before we break, a couple of thoughts. Uh, Matt says Kingsbury won the draft. JM says the Colts, unfortunately, are the team to beat. Yeah. Uh, First Coast Bubbler says, nope, Houston is the team to beat. <laughs> Let's see what else we got here. Uh, Robert Sixto says, best QB in Houston makes them the team to beat, but Bill O'Brien is doing his best to beat them for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Drew says, Colts are deadly now with Rivers, Taylor, Pittman, and that O-line, which you have to be a little Good bit point. careful of, and I get it. Uh, Taylor, actually, with that situation, it does. It would concern me if I'm a if I'm in the Jags building. The Pittman one's interesting, though. I don't necessarily know if the Jags lost ground with Pittman because they got Chenault. Let's see who does better. True. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying there. And we saw what Devin Funches did last year in Indianapolis. wasn't anything. Once again, Phillip Rivers is a guy who likes to throw the ball deep. Um, you know, he had Mike Williams in it with the Chargers. Mike Williams didn't really ever mount to, you know, this big-time receiver, but the deep threat was always there. Yeah, yeah. Now, Pittman's not Mike Williams in terms of speed, but in terms of a red zone target, a guy who can do jump balls. I mean, Pittman's got yeah, that yeah. all day. There's a lot to like there. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Eminem says, uh, not that Eminem. This is Eminem <laughs> like the candy. I got In you. the 16 games the Jags play next year, I'd only rather have Garner than the opposing QB twice. Those games are against Chicago and the Chargers, and mm-hmm. those teams have better rosters than us. That's why they will pick top five next year. Fair enough explanation. Um, I, I'd have to go through the whole list, but I, I – I don't know if you'd be far off from popular opinion. Aren't they playing the Packers this year? I oh, they are. Ugh. I'm just uh, kidding. Aaron Rodgers is top ten quarterback. Don't get mad at me, everybody. Uh, Jags fan in Wisco. I'm starting to like this guy. I like both of your bets. I think you'll win both of them. How about that? What were the bets again? Uh, better record than the Patriots Trash. and not picking top five. Absolutely. Not. First goes Bubbler says somebody do a wellness check on Martino. That's what I'm saying, man. <laughs> like it's actually becoming a problem though, kind of, huh? Yeah. We will do a wellness check during the break, and when we come back, we'll have our conversation with Shaq Quarterman and put a bow on uh, well, the Bill 2020 NFL draft. You think He's Bill Belichick? You think he's going to tank? Yeah. Oh, that's that's not in his repertoire, man. That's not that's not in his genetic uh, makeup. I've been saying this for all while. You guys give too much respect to Bill Belichick. It was Tom Brady the whole time. <laughs> and now I'm triggered. Being a defensive-minded guy, I'm super triggered now. I am triggered. The guy didn't even pick a quarterback. 
What do you mean they got to pick a quarterback? You didn't need it. You have a defense. <laughs> you didn't need it. You had a defense, baby. Four, two, five. Unleash it on the wall again, Bill. You got this. By the way, do you know the Jags were top five in special teams last year? Oh, what does that mean to me? What is it? Oh, because they have the best young punter in the NFL. He's got the best, oh, sorry, second to best net punt average in the NFL, according to Tom Coughlin. Get your season tickets now, everybody. <laughs> don't, don't try to bring special team stats on my grill, man. Come on. Conversation with Shaq Quarterman coming up next on ESPN 690. Well, I think the big thing for that is you're taking somebody in the sixth round and is uh, football intelligence and intelligence and be able to, to learn, to, to come in and be a backup and, and to compete for a roster spot first and foremost to be able to have command of the offense. And then obviously the physical traits in terms of are they a fit in our offense. And there's multiple conversations we've had of do you take somebody that's different than your starter? Do you take somebody that's similar to your starter? And at the end of the day, we just kind of this year decided to pick the guy that – uh, throws the best ball, good accuracy, and uh, it's got size and, and can withstand the, uh, to take some hits in the pocket. That's Dave Caldwell, Jags General Manager, talking about the Luton pick uh, in the sixth round. Again, uh, how much of a factor will it be? Probably not much of one here in year one. Could it impact the room maybe in year two from a backup standpoint? We'll see. I, I would suspect right now Dobbs still the backup. I think uh, Luton probably a practice squad guy, but he is pretty well respected in some of the circles. You know, there are not a lot of vacant quarterback rooms now, though, across the NFL. You know, it used to be, I feel like five, six, seven years ago, everybody was looking for a quarterback, yeah. except for the Colts with Peyton Manning and Brady and the Patriots and Rodgers in Green Bay and Breeze and the Saints, you know, and then all of a sudden, like, Russell Wilson came along and they didn't need one anymore. Feel like right now, either people are invested in their own, their young guy, or they have a guy that has proven himself. And it is a lot more, you know, like that across the league. It's not a quarterback starved the league. Now, how good that quarterback is is a different conversation. I mean, even, you know, what's interesting is like Rams, right? The Rams have golf. Yeah. Could they upgrade from golf? Heck yeah, I think they could. But they just paid him a mint of money. They ain't changing that quarterback room for a bit. They're going to let this thing play out. They're pot committed. Kirk Cousins, another example, has got some money as well. You know, and I think it shows the landscape when guys like Jameis Winston, guys like Cam Newton, you know, well, Jameis finally got signed, but Cam Newton's still waiting for a job. You know, he's still waiting for an opportunity. Jameis Winston signs with the, the New Orleans Saints. He's a backup. So, yeah, it really goes to show you how, and I get it, Jameis makes, made a lot of mistakes last year. I'll slow the NFL in touchdown passes last year, okay? So it's amazing how you have guys like that who can't find homes, who can't find jobs, and you have teams in the NFL that are just like, you know what? We're all good, man. We like what we have right now. Well, we'll give a call maybe if we need you down the line. Yeah, and, and that's what will be interesting, I think, even going into next year. Who is at the top? Who likes it? Most times, if you're picking near the top of the draft order, you probably aren't completely satisfied with the quarterback unless you just got unlucky and somebody got hurt or, or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, it'll be pretty interesting to see. The Jags like their draft class. They really like one of their picks. And uh, we all thought one of the picks was cool, too, because the hometown guy, Shaq Quarterman, it's hard not to like this guy. You're getting a good football player, getting a good guy, getting a hometown guy. You're getting a tough dude, though. And I'm really interested to see where this guy's career goes. Uh, maybe some comps 
on the other side of our interview of what he could be. Fourth round selection out of Oakleaf High School from the U, Shaq Quarterman. Uh, I caught up with him, and here's a little bit of our conversation. Been a lot of um, emotions, you know, from the phone call to everybody separating and just crying and everybody coming back to hug and cry again until the celebration, you know, when everybody, you know, it's like a lot of weight off of everybody's shoulders. So we finally got to enjoy the fruits of our labor, you know, just for a little while at least. And then waking up this morning, just realizing that this is my first day as a, you know, a whole day as a Jacksonville Jaguar. It's everything. Who was the most emotional now? Give us a little, set the scene for us. Uh, who did you have around you and what was it like? And, I mean, how many tissue boxes did you go through? <laughs> we went through all the tissue boxes, so we had to end up using hand towels. But um, definitely my uncle. Uh, he raised me to be a man. He raised me to be a, you know, uh, a bright young man. And he really, you could tell, it was a lot of stress taken off of him. The folks at Oakleaf have to be so proud. I think you're the first one uh, to get to the NFL. Uh, what's that like? A relatively new school, new program. Uh, you got to wear that uniform and jersey and kind of carry the flag, you know, for Oakleaf High School and the Knights. And they've really developed a nice program over there. Uh, what has the reaction been? What's it mean to you to, to kind of be the first from Oakleaf to make it to the NFL? Um, well, ultimately, that was always the goal, you know, and – when me and my friends started at Oakleaf, I think the year prior, they were one and nine. So they weren't the, the best school already, but I did not want to separate my, from my friends. You know, we weren't about the whole transferring. We weren't really into that. You know, we were neighborhood kids and we wanted to make our neighborhood high school great. You know, we, we got a chance to make it to the playoffs. Uh, 12 and one my junior year, missed the playoffs my senior year, eight and two. But just being able to rep the brand and represent my school in Miami and to come back, it means everything. I just wanted to put my, my, my high school on the map. Well, you certainly did that. Uh, but you put yourself on the map uh, because you're a lunch pail guy. You get it done. Doug Marone last night defended their draft. You get a lot of high character guys. But what does that mean to you? It's very important to me because of the way that I was raised. You know, my parents did a lot for me uh, to make it to this day. You know, we struggled and we went through all our trials and tribulations. So there was no way I could you know, do anything less than represent them the way that I should. So who did you like the most from a linebacker perspective in the NFL or, or anywhere else? Definitely John Beeson. He's my mentor. Um, when I got to the University of Miami, I actually wanted number two. Well, my, my uncle wanted me to have number two. I didn't want number two unless John Beeson said I should have it. And when he did, I almost passed out. True story, almost. He's my guy. Being able to watch film with him, he's taking me under his wing full throttle, and I just really appreciate him because he didn't have to do that. What do you see yourself as when you wrap this thing up a decade from now? A decade from now, I see myself um, accomplishing everything I wanted to accomplish. You know, my goal is to just be the best I, uh, be the best me, be the best player I could be, you know. And if I do that, I'm pretty sure, very sure, I'll follow months very great company. One of the great qualities you have is instincts, as everybody will say. Um, where, where does that come from? Uh, I think, first off, is my preparation. You know, you have to prepare. You have to because the margin for error in college was already very minimal. And then at this level, the margin for error is different. You know, you have, you're playing with a whole different uh, group of guys, you know, guys that will make you pay if you make one mistake. So you have to do your due diligence to prepare to put yourself and your team in the best position to win. Like you said, it is going to be tough. You know, you have to roll with the punches. But as the team works with me, you know, you just have to 
do what you're supposed to do. Awesome, man. Hey, uh, have you practiced your do ball? I mean, you got to do, I mean, you got to have a do ball now, right? Can you give us a do ball or what? Duval. Hey, listen, it was right outside his house. Oh, okay. You got to be a little careful. Yeah, he careful. might have been sleeping. Yeah, I got you. I got you. I, I put him you. on the spot a little you, bit. You really did, man. Didn't do many favors with that. That's all right. But that place will Duval him inside TIAA <laughs> Bank, and it will oh, have yeah. some uh, special meaning to him, which good, is great kid, man. Yeah, really I good. Like that. I, I, like I call him a go-to guy in the locker great room. Great guy. Man. Yeah, I got to stop calling people kids. But yeah, yeah, that's he's a great right. guy. You know what I'm saying. Um, great guy. Yeah, he... I think he's gonna be good. You know, you know what comes to mind, and uh, this is a guy who's really taken off in the NFL in the last year, but probably the last couple of years. Okay. And and when I think of Shaq Quarterman, I have no idea from a football standpoint. I don't even know from a measurable standpoint. But I look at a guy like Demario Davis, who I really started following a little bit when I went to Brandon, Mississippi, because that's where he went. With he didn't go with Minshew there, but same high school. And so I kind of was looking him up, but then all of a sudden this year he burst on the scene. You yeah. know, I mean, he was an All Pro I think this year. Yeah, he's a big for part the of Saints. What, big part of what the Saints do, yeah. But he wasn't that guy. Like that's not like he's been that guy. And you almost wonder if a guy like Quarterman, he's just always going to be successful. The way he works, uh, his instincts for the game. It doesn't matter if he's measurable, if he doesn't run a four, five, six or whatever, but he runs a four, seven, nine instead. He'll find a way and always excel. Now it might take a little bit to unveil that, but I wonder if he could follow a similar path to a guy like that. And that takes time. You got to stick around. You got to be good at special teams. You got to be a good backup. Uh, and you might even bounce around. But I wonder if Quarterman can be that. Maybe a faster track. I think he'd want a faster track than Davis. Uh, because as I look at Demario Davis, he got drafted in the third round of 2012. So they got drafted, you know, maybe some 35 picks apart, if you're thinking well, about Quarterman. But yeah. he played for the Jets, the Browns, back to the Jets, and now he's been with the Saints and really kind of hit a gold line. You know, and and that's where these fourth, these fifth, these sixth round players they come in, Brett, and then that's why you know the meetings and everything are so important. <clears throat> because if you take a look at Shaq Quarterman, like, yeah, I'm not sure what his forty time is. Okay, I'm not sure how much the guy can bench press two twenty five. But one would probably think, well, his numbers in in terms of combine workouts probably aren't off the charts, right? Because there's a reason why they went in the fourth round and not in the first or second round. Okay, but keep in mind, <clears throat> those fourth, fifth round guys. Those are the guys usually when their numbers, like in terms of what you run, what you bench, they don't jump off the page. But that's an opportunity for you to find out if they are football players, right? Because if you find those quote-unquote football players, those guys are just football savvy, that have football minds that know no matter what, maybe they don't have the height, the size, the weight, whatever it is, but they can still make it work. That's where you find those guys. So Shaq Quarterman taking on the fourth round can be that guy, Brent. Whereas 40-yard dash may not blow your socks off, but guess what? The guy knows where to line up. The guy knows where to be, you know, if, if a halfback dive or an iso motion presents itself. He's going to be in the right spot. So in terms of football mind, just even talking to him, you know, for whatever the five minutes that you did, I can tell that this guy is already a student of the game. He values where he's at. And... He could be something special going forward. And like you mentioned earlier in the show, too, that 3-4 defense might yeah. give him a chance to get on the field even faster than if they played a 4-3. Correct. So we'll see what they do in that regard. Okay, a couple things before we get out of here. We did talk a lot about the draft, but do you think – I mean, we're going back to the old drafts, right? Next year's in Cleveland. After that, they're going back to Vegas. I mean, that's the way it's going to be. Can they show some elements of this? Can they mix the two? I think you have to. 
I think because I mean, what do you want out of this one then? You you, you take the the fandom and the hype and everything out don't of. Don't want Luke Bryan. Um, <laughs> don't want him ever again. Um, not even close. I'm not sure if you're a big fan of his or not, but that was not <clears> really. that was a, uh, that was a rough one. Um, what do I want? You know, I want us obviously to see the family interactions, right? Um. I want to hear the stories, but I mean, do we really need? There's a lot of sappy stories this past. Year. I don't want to say I, I, with all due respect, but there's a lot of tragic stories with these guys that ESPN, in the draft. I think I saw somewhere today they're already going to pull back yeah. off that a little I bit. I mean, they, you they know? really poured it on, man. They you know, really... like anytime Trey started Laura's voice a little bit, and I'm going to talk like this, and then all of a sudden the piano started playing. It's like, oh, here we go again. Yeah. Like, can't wait to there see what happens this one. So there's a lot of that. So maybe ease off that a little bit, but just. It's almost like the candid, the candid nature, and you know, I'm almost to the point where maybe the first round, maybe even the second, third rounds, you know, you have guys that, you know, whatever it's gonna be in Vegas or next year will be in Cleveland. Yeah, sure, you have that whole thing, but then maybe the later rounds, have the coaches at home, man, have them with their families. You know, like the, the, that was a cool thing to see. Let me make fun of their interior decorating again because I love doing that. <laughs> I want to see what Cliff Kingsbury brings next year, man. Like I want to see all that stuff. It was cool to get a glimpse of. Just their family life, because we always see them on the sidelines. We always see them, you know, in press conferences, but we got to see them at home. And that was access that we never really granted before. I thought it was cool. I just don't know if I like that element. I don't know if they'll include that element because they're going to all want to be together. Yeah. And that that war room that looks like just an office is going to look like that again. And do you bring the family in there? I don't think so. Maybe they have family rooms inside Jags headquarters or something to then go into, like yeah. little green rooms for the families to sure. kind of incorporate that. But that look, that would be too forced. Yeah. I don't know if you can recreate it that way because, again, I don't think the GMs and people will go for it. They'll want to be in the same room communicating. That just makes more sense. Although they say this thing went off without a hitch. They, they did not have to stop the clock or yeah. anything like that. Whoa. But I couldn't help but think of the Jags especially. Was it the players, whether the depth of the draft or there wasn't enough to go get? Or was it the actual in the back of their mind concerned about the wheeling and dealing to some degree that they just didn't feel comfortable doing it at times? Mm -hmm. Because I'm just still stunned that the Jags didn't move once with 12 picks. And, And I wonder if there was something to go along with the way we were all doing this thing this year. Uh, that that impacted that. Yeah, I mean, one would think a little bit, right? Cause they say it didn't, but yeah. I'm not sure I'd buy it. Well, and you're very adamant about that, right? Because you put your house on the line and, <laughs> and you lost it again. So, no, I agree with you, man. The fact that the Jaguars didn't make any kind of transactions, any kind of trades whatsoever, it's it's super surprising. And also, man, you know, another positive from this draft that we just watched, you know, and we watched these families and everything. We got to ex- experience those moments, and it was behind the scenes. It was candid. It was fantastic. But it's a great teaching lessons for all the girlfriends out there that want to get on camera. It's a great teaching lessons for all the girlfriends out there. I think they have what it takes to be a girlfriend of an NFL player because we saw a few of them take some major, let's just say stocks are going down on a couple girls right now. Don't want to call anybody out. CeeDee Lamb's girlfriend. Um... <laughs> Isaiah Wilson's girlfriend. Uh, but I don't want to call anybody out, but I'm just saying it's a teaching lesson for everybody. Um, you know, and uh, let's move forward and let's not have so much drama like we did this past NFL draft. I think, by the way, you'll get the uh, walking across stage for the top 35, 40 guys, yeah. and then you'll get a lot more in-home cameras like we did on the Saturday part of it, which I like. I think I think you can combine the two, but listen, money talks, man. They're going to Canton and Cleveland. They're going back to Vegas. Uh, that, Dude, money that big talks. Party. Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury
Bradbury House Talks, though, Brad. That was like trending on Twitter for yeah. a couple hours, I know. man. I know. That I was liked so it. cool. I yeah. liked it. It did humanize everything. I just think they'll go back to the corporate way for the most part. They'll, they'll be smart enough to factor some of it in, but mm-hmm. not enough. Uh, last thing, the documentary last night, Last Dance. Yeah. Uh, better than the first two? The same? What do you think? <sighs> I mean, I thought it was great once again. I mean, I don't want to say it's better or worse just because, I mean, it's all been gravy for me so far, man. Kind of gave you a behind-the-scenes look a little bit about Dennis Rodman, and I was very adamant going into this documentary that I want to see Phil Jackson stuff. Well, I saw Phil Jackson stuff. Didn't know the guy dropped acid a little bit, but that was a, that was a cool <laughs> little... T- dude's a hippie. That was a cool little tidbit, I guess. Thanks for throwing that in there. But to me, man, I took away Dennis Rodman. When I was growing up as a kid, I didn't understand him. Okay, the guy wore dresses, the guy wore eye makeup, and I was just like, this guy's out of his mind. And his nickname was The Worm. Who wants to have their nickname be The Worm? <laughs> But, you know, a lot like his documentary on 30 for 30, a lot like last night, you learn what kind of guy Dennis Rodman was. He was misunderstood a little bit. He was an introvert who tried to, you know, I guess speak out a little bit and try to branch out and kind of went against the grain a little bit. But at the end of the day, man, it comes down to winning. And what we can apply to this is you're going to have all types of guys, all types of upbringings, all types of egos. But Phil Jackson found the way to make it work, even if it meant going to Vegas for Dennis Rodman for a couple days. <laughs> With Carmen Electric. With Carmen, With Carmen Electric. Electric. It's uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, to be able to do that. Yeah, it takes all kinds. Can you imagine in today's world of social media, if that would happen? There would be video, like of yeah, the, the whole thing. You wouldn't rebound from that. It, w- it wouldn't. Yeah, there, it, it, never, it would never happen. Uh, never happen. Rodman is a great character, especially yeah. in that that whole thing in, yeah. in the last year of it. Real one question, quick before we go: The Boston Celtics didn't shake hands after they beat the Detroit Pistons. Pistons do the same thing coming back when they beat the or when they lost to the Bulls. Are you mad at that or not? No, not as you don't care. I like the Land Bear uh, explanation of it yeah. today more so than the Isaiah Thomas that's, one. That's because you're a Boston homer. Get off the floor. Did, 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 was Land Bear not shaking hands? He didn't do that. Larry Bird didn't. Unbelievable. Uh, I thought I read that there was a there was a different reason that they did it though. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I could be wrong. I I don't know. I got to go back and look at that one. Yeah. I remember the Bulls and uh, the the Isaiah Thomas actually took a lot of heat for a long time for that. Still does. Before we go, is it kind of weird that they call him the bad boys? But does Isaiah Thomas seem like the biggest choir boy out of anybody? <laughs> yeah, they called the bad boys because yeah, of what the they didn't talk about. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, okay. that game where they the the Pistons beat the Bulls before they went. He did it with like a broken hand. Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, no, he's still a choir boy. Isaiah Thomas, pretty underrated player. Yeah even though I was never a huge fan of them. All Not right, hope you have a good night. We're a big fan of yours. We'll be doing it again tomorrow, ESPN 690, and I'll see you on TV tonight, CBS 47 and Fox 30. Our normal way of life has been changing quickly due to coronavirus. New rules to follow, and basically all sports have been put on hold. Heck, you might even be working from home. Hey, everybody, it's Brent Martineau. If you're not in the car from 3 p.m. until 6 p.m., check in on Action Sports Jacks on your smart speaker. Tell your Amazon Echo or Google Home to play ESPN 690. Life's better with American Family Insurance. Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.